Gonzalez swings and he crushes it. Left center field. Warning track walk. Goodbye. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner. It's finally May and we have a big show planned for you today. We're going to have the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Jeff Hurd, in our next segment. And in our final segment, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Jared Sumption, the Utah Valley University Athletic Director. So we look forward to that. And as always, I always look forward to this first conversation in our first segment. It's Rachel Vigil of the, uh, what's your title, Rachel? <laughs> On-air talent broadcast coordinator. See, it's it, we, we always record this on a Monday morning. I haven't had my coffee yet, so I always mm-hmm. need to get that out of the way. Rachel, uh, thanks for joining us. First off, we talked to you last week. You're in Kansas. Where are you this week? Still in Kansas. Decided to stay out here a little bit longer. I know everything in Denver kind of started to open up, so we figured this might be actually the safest place to be while we can. Uh, so it's been nice. It's actually, I've never experienced thunder in the morning. Really random, but this morning I woke up to thunder. You know, in Colorado, it's always in the afternoon. It you is. get like the afternoon thunderstorms, but this morning at like nine o'clock, I woke up to thunder. And I was in the basement of the house we're staying in, and I could hear it from upstairs. It was <laughs> wild. And then it was like pouring and hailing, and it was only nine o'clock. So it's well, been K- a trip for sure, but it's been fun. Kansas, yeah, you got to look out for the uh, tornadoes and uh, Toto. Got to hang on to, to Toto and all that good stuff from the Wizard of Oz. So, yeah, right <laughs> now, this uh, this would have been the first or the uh, the week of the softball championships. Rachel, uh, the the softball tournament would have been this week in Grand Canyon. So we kind of have these dates we we are passing now every week. You know, first graduation. You know, all these these championships that would have been happening. Softball tournament would have been this week. And I saw Seattle U tweeted out the anniversary of their championship last year and when they went to the NCAA's. So uh, again, kind of sad times for that. But uh, looking forward to what, when we can get back to that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been a year. It does not seem like that. It blows my mind. Even these past couple of weeks, I feel like they've flown by and it's not even, you know, we're just all kind of hanging out at home and it still feels like time is passing so fast. So uh, huge congrats to them. It would have been interesting to see who would have won this year. Yeah, and the other thing happening this week around the WAC, uh, some news being made was the WAC Board of Directors uh, voted to shorten the eligibility period for transitioning schools for the basketball tournament. So what that means is that CBU will now play in WAC Vegas next year, and then uh, a couple of years after that, then we would uh, add uh, Dixie and Tarleton. So very exciting news for the Lancers. Yeah, honestly, I would love to have seen them compete this year if we would have had a complete tournament. Uh, I think CBU is a great program, both men and women, and uh, I love watching them play. I think they bring great competition to the WAC as well. So I think it'll definitely add to the tournament next year. Yeah, CBU uh, finished second on the men's side of this past year. So, yeah, that would have been very interesting to, to see them in the tournament if we would have had a tournament. Uh, thanks for de- depressing <laughs> me again there, Rachel. But um, Right, every single time I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk with Jeff Hurd uh, a little more in-depth about that in our, in our next segment, how that uh, decision came to be. And uh, this is another uh, tradition we've had uh, the past few weeks. Anyway, Rachel is... Our, our assessment of the last dance, uh, you and I are both into sports broadcasting and watching all these uh, documentaries. Did you have a chance to watch uh, parts five and six on Sunday night? I did, yeah. Honestly, every single time I watch one of those episodes, I always just feel a little bit of excitement. Again, it's like watching sports, watching the competition, plus just seeing MJ be so himself. Yes. And I think that's one of the crazy things is, he never strayed away from who he was. And if people didn't like him, that was okay with him. And I think that really showed, especially on Sunday night's episodes. Yeah. I think it's very interesting to see him looking at it, you know, now 25 years later, 22 years later, uh, seeing him now because he was so calculated, I think in his interviews before that, uh, obviously growing up for me, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, greatest basketball player of all time. And, 
but he he was never very controversial. He never said anything he wasn't really supposed to in interviews or or didn't come across that way, whereas now it's kind of like he's really letting it fly as to how he feels about the Detroit Pistons and Isaiah Thomas and, and uh, you know, the gambling allegations and all these things that were going on. Now, uh, it honestly yeah. cracks me up, the Isaiah Thomas stuff. It blows my mind. And I give major props to whoever did the interviews with Isaiah Thomas like having to go in there knowing MJ's really not a fan of this man and then like sitting down and talking to him, right? Like, yeah. That'd it, be so hard. And Isaiah Thomas too. I mean, props to him because it sounds like he obviously knows MJ's not a fan of him. Well, the interesting part in, in Sunday nights was that there has been a feeling that it was Jordan who said that Isaiah couldn't be on the dream team, but th- there was also feuds with Magic and Larry Bird and, and it could have been uh, – Rod Thorner put the team together, you know, just decided, hey, this would be an easier route just to not have Isaiah on the team. And Chuck Daly was the head coach, who was the Detroit Pistons head coach. Isaiah's his player. So there there was all kinds of dynamics going on there that, that I had completely forgotten about. But, you know, you look at the way the team was put together. You already had Magic Johnson and John Stockton at point guard. You really didn't need Isaiah as another point guard on the team and uh, just – Pretty interesting stuff, but then they won every game by, you know, 70 points, so it didn't really matter. (laughs) I have a question, though, Eric. You said MJ, greatest player of all time. You know, that's a huge debate. In his eyes, he's still the, like, GOAT compared to maybe LeBron James. Right. You know, I I try not to be the old man on the lawn and be (laughs) like, nobody can ever be better than MJ. And I had actually forgotten to a certain extent, how great he was until this documentary. When you see, because basically, I mean, you see the the shot against Craig Elo uh, when they beat the Cavs. You see the shot against uh, Byron Russell when they beat the Utah Jazz in the, in the championship. And you see a few highlights here and there. But to see it year after year, and you forget about some of the great shots that he made in, in the six three-pointers in the first half against the Trailblazers in the championship. And... The other thing that gets forgotten is how great a defensive player Michael Jordan was. He was really the best defensive player in the league for a long time. And I was kind of swaying towards the, well, maybe LeBron is better than Jordan because LeBron's bigger. LeBron's a better passer. Uh, you know, but after watching this, I'm like, mm, not yet. Not yet. I think, I think Jordan's still the guy. I think one of the major things, too, that I've noticed is just how more physical the game of basketball was Absolutely. during MJ's time. <laughs> and like that's not taking anything away from LeBron because he's an incredible basketball player and I think an incredible human too, all the things he's done. But there's just watching them all fight and push each other in this documentary that just <laughs> shifted my mind. Yeah. I've always been a huge, like I should say I've always been, but I've been an MJ fan and I think he is the greatest of all time. But that's not taking anything away from LeBron because I definitely think he could get there. However, I just think that the physicality is 10 times more than what it is nowadays. And it would be interesting to see LeBron play in that era because LeBron is so big and strong. I think he would have Mm -hmm. held up pretty well. Uh, But then if Jordan, say, had played today, I think he'd be more of a three-point shooter than he was back then because nobody was really as much of a three-point shooter as like Steph Curry is now. I mean, oh, the fact that he hit six threes, that was a huge deal. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, Michael Jordan hit six threes in a game. Can you believe it? And now, I mean, that's that's like a normal game for Steph Curry. I was going to say, yeah, that's like almost low-end numbers for <laughs> Steph. <laughs> now, the uh, tie-ins, I always have to bring these in uh, that, that I uh, wrote down last night or on Sunday night, uh, Randy Brown. Uh, played on the Bulls uh, on some of those teams. He's from New Mexico State. Uh, so a, a shout-out to the Aggies. One of the uh, scenes that, that uh, Michael Jordan going to the, the handshakes, you know, before the game with the officials, uh, Violet Palmer, who's our uh, head uh, women's basketball official, uh, she was the first ever female NBA official, and she was in that shot and and talking no to MJ. Yeah, I didn't know that. yeah, and uh, I think it was in episode six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, Scott Williams, who we're going to have on the the Whack Podcast next week, he's the GCU basketball analyst. He played on the Bulls on those first three 
championship teams also went to North Carolina. And if you watch the Isaiah Thomas walking past Jordan video over and over again, as they've shown it, Scott Williams is standing right next to Michael Jordan. So I want to see if Scott Williams actually might have said something to Isaiah or to any of the guys as they walked past when they didn't shake hands. Uh, Tom Chambers was on the Phoenix Suns when they were showing the uh, the recap of when they played the Suns in the finals. Uh, Chambers played at Utah in the WAC, as well as Danny Ainge got another view of him. Uh, remember, he was on the first uh, episode when they played against the Celtics. And then Dan Marley. I mean, Dan, there was like a segment on Dan Marley. I think it was in episode six. I know. I... <laughs> <laughs> I actually pointed out to my boyfriend. I was watching an MJ dunks over some man, and I was like, huh, "That looked a little bit like Dan Marley." And then all of a sudden, there he was, and I was like, "Yep, that was definitely Dan Marley." Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Marley was the coach at GCU until uh, till this uh, past off season here uh, for for five years. Uh, but uh, the thing was. He had to guard him one-on-one, and Marley was regarded as a great defensive player, but then uh, when they had MJ talking about that Jerry Krause really liked Dan Marley, and that fueled Michael Jordan to basically embarrass him in those games or gave him more motivation to get to the bucket. I mean, he was – I mean, I I felt bad for Dan Marley. I mean, this is 25 years later. Uh, But Dan Marley in college was a center. Um and so now here he was a few years later having to guard Michael Jordan one-on-one. And I don't think anybody in the world could have guarded Michael Jordan one-on-one at that time. Right. And it's just so funny that for MJ, it was like, oh, Jerry Krause likes him. All right, let's like kick it up a couple of notches. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I, mean, I, I was a big Dan Marley fan at that time too. But uh, yeah, no, nobody was guarding Michael Jordan one-on-one. Um Baseball draft still up in the air at this point. Uh, there was an article on uh, Tucson.com about Nick Gonzalez. Nick, uh, the New Mexico State uh, outstanding infielder who's uh, likely going to be a top five pick whenever that MLB draft does take place. And and kind of what his uh, workout routine is now that the uh, college season is over as he gets ready for the draft, Rach. Yeah, I was reading this article and it kind of made me really sad that I'm always the depressing one, Eric, every single time. But, (laughs) you know, I was looking forward to seeing him in the last tournament and to see all the scouts that went out to see him, too. You know, that's something we always kind of keep our eyes on is to see how many scouts go out. They're always sitting behind home plate. Right. So I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going to be able to see pretty much greatness happen right in front of my eyes this time around. Of course, we'll follow him throughout his career Um, and best of luck to him, too. But one of my favorite things about that article that I read was that he wants to open a gym in his small hometown for his friends and someplace he can go work out with whatever million-dollar contract he will surely sign, I'm sure. Right, and uh, him being from Tucson, which obviously is a hotbed of uh, baseball, he, he has a, a chance to be one of the highest-ever picks uh, from that city, and, and that initially he, he basically went to New Mexico State as a walk-on. Yeah. I had no idea, if I'm being completely honest. I didn't realize he was a walk-on. And uh, his, his other thing is uh, his, his routine. He, he eats three or four eggs every day. So maybe maybe we should all start eating that many eggs, and uh, maybe we'll start hitting the baseball like that. Right. I, I think there's probably a few other things we'd have to do to be able to come close to what he's doing, because it sounds like he was just an animal and always getting in there and hitting the balls, you know, staying late after a game to continue to hit balls. But every single person was like, yeah, he just never gives up pretty much. Now, whack all access this past week, uh, live on Instagram, you had Annette Samaji, the great runner from California Baptist. I had a chance to see that, Rachel, and that that was a, a, a very good interview. And Annette has decided she's going to come back. She has one more semester, I guess, she can compete uh, in outdoor track and field, and she's decided that uh, that's what she wants to do. Yeah, Annette, I've known Annette for two years now, and she is one of the sweetest human beings that I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Uh, she's so just, I don't even know how to explain her. You know, I don't get to talk to all of these athletes all the time, but every single time I talk to her, she's so gracious and so sweet. And she actually chose to stay in the state. She's actually still on the campus of California Baptist instead of going back to Hungary where her family is. Uh, so she's just been, you know, running around Riverside and doing uh, school work. She's actually 
just finished up all of her classes for the spring and now she's getting ready for her summer classes because she's in a master's program for biomedical sciences. Uh, she wants to become a surgeon one day. Wow. So not only is she fast, but she's very smart as well. Yeah, she was our, our cross-country individual champion, I believe, the last two years. I know this past year when I was in Kansas City, she crossed the tape first, and they had the first ever in WAC history perfect score, which uh, I believe it's one through five, one through six. Uh, we're all CBU athletes, uh, and I, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, and I asked her about that moment. She said they all just kind of woke up that day. You know, it was a normal day. She never imagined something like that to happen. Rachel, uh, uh, any ideas on uh, Whack All Access this week? Or are we efforting? We are still efforting. Uh, again, it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. I think not everybody's always checking their emails 24-7 <laughs> right now. Uh, so I'm just kind of having to always wait and hold on. And uh, hopefully the person we're getting is um, a part of a SAC, or SAC uh, class, I guess. Is it a class? I think so kind of maybe yeah kind, um, kind but, of yeah i guess uh yeah i don't know how, how you'd classify that but yeah uh, it's the student athlete advisory committee so every school has uh, one or two representatives on that and they uh they meet every year and they talk about issues uh, involving the ncaa and all, all kinds of different things kind of a student council if you will of uh student athletes in college that's a good way to put it yeah so hopefully that person is a member of SAC, and we'll be talking to them Although right now I'm trying to figure out, so I know you can go live on Twitter and I know we have a huge following on Twitter. So I'm trying to figure out is Instagram still the way to go or is Twitter still the way to go so that more people can get involved. So I'm kind of testing the waters there to see what we decide to do. Now, WAC Top Play Mondays uh, this week, we have great defensive plays from uh, the world of volleyball, soccer and basketball. Last week we had the top defensive plays from uh, baseball and softball, albeit uh, a uh, truncated season, but uh, we still had some pretty good defensive plays. And, and this, again, was one going through, Rachel, that uh, I'd forgotten about many of these great plays we had over the year. And one of my favorite uh, defensive plays had to be uh, Tajay Moore from CSU Bakersfield, his block against Grand Canyon, where Isaiah Brown kind of did a pump fake to get uh, uh, one guy up, and, and Tajay just timed it out perfectly. And he just jumped so high, and it was like a volleyball spike uh, right down and actually uh, bounced off of Brown, and then Bakersfield got the ball. But uh, just uh, y- you forget about all the great defensive plays we saw over the, the course of the year. As you're saying that, I can literally picture the play in my head. because <laughs> we And we do have so many great plays here in the WAC. That again, you know, some of them may slip your mind, and then you rewatch all of them, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about this one and this one and this one. And then you watch all of them, and you're like, Dang, we got some good athletes in this conference. <laughs> and then uh, for the performance of the of the decade and whack of the day, uh, going along the, the fact that this would have been the uh, softball tournament week, we're going to do uh, top performances of the decade hitting for softball, and then whack of the day, a look back at the last 10 years of the softball tournament. So I'm sure New Mexico State will be featured prominently in, in both <laughs> of those. Uh, but at the beginning of the decade, Hawaii was still – a member of the WAC and a very a powerful school and in, in softball especially. So look forward to putting those uh, those pieces together as well. And I, I'm sure uh, Kelsey Horton's uh, name is going to be all over the the uh, top uh, hitter of the uh, decade. All over it. That girl is an absolute beast too when it comes to hitting the softball. <laughs> well, hey, Rachel, I want to thank you for taking <coughs> some time out and uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. Always, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up next on the WAC Podcast, we're going to talk to the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Jeff Hurd. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner here to remind you that Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Eric Danner back with you and also uh, now joined by the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. His name is Jeff Hurd. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Eric, just uh, like everyone else, trying to take it a day at a time. Well, Jeff, uh, uh, 
I, I do miss uh, seeing you in the office and having our conversations as as we often do. Uh, been about a month and a half now. Um, how how have you been holding up personally uh, during this uh, quarantine? Well, I've held up pretty well, I think. You know, I'm I, like most people, um, spending a whole lot more time walking my dogs, <laughs> you know, working around my house and in my yard and things like that. Uh, and at the same time, you know, doing my best to try to keep up with the numerous uh, NCA-related issues that are going on. And you know, in a nutshell, my my life really has become between working at home and 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 keeping track of of business related things my life has become a series of video calls yeah yeah uh, jared sumptions our other guest today and he was uh, mentioning you know four or five video calls a day is isn't uncommon i imagine as commissioner of the WAC, you're in the same boat yeah it's it's uh it's really uh you know the way of doing business has changed considerably and you know my guess is as we look back say a year from now and look back on all this that you know, some of the things we're doing now will probably be uh, more common than they had been. But uh, it really is. It's not uh, going too out, too far out on a on a limb to say that, you know, each day is a, a minimum of two and as many as four calls that you have with various groups trying to, you know, trying to keep up and, and trying to, at the same time, educate yourself and understand what, what the issues are. Everybody knows the broad terms. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, in-betweens there also. Yeah, there's a whole lot to uh, to figure out here in the next few months. Now, one of the things that came out last week uh, on a positive note, Jeff, was the WAG Board of Directors voting to shorten the eligibility period for transitioning institutions for the basketball tournament. And that's a long way of saying that next year, CBU is going to be in WAG Vegas. Yeah, it certainly was. It was a major decision made by our board. I, you know, I, I wish that we could get that same decision made at the NCA level uh, to shorten that transition period. But right. it was a significant decision, and it was one that um, allows transitioning institutions uh, to be eligible for the WAC basketball tournament, men's and women's tournament, after after finishing two years of their of their NCA process and. So that brings CBU in uh, this coming year, and then two years from now, uh, both Dixie State and Tarleton State will be uh, also eligible. And CBU transitioning from Division Two. I mean, this past year they finished second in the regular season in the WAC, so they've had a lot of success against WAC schools and, and have really uh, turned out to be one of the, the top uh, programs in the WAC uh, so far in their transition. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, not only a strong basketball program, but a strong overall program. And they'll be a a good addition to the tournament and, and one that, uh, you know, that, that I'm sure will be greeted with um, on some sides that with, with look at it as good news. And there's others that may, may not look at, look at it that way. But uh, bottom line is they're, they're going to bring some extra excitement to the tournament. They'll bring fans to the tournament and um, looking forward to it. Now, Dixie State and Tarleton State, as you mentioned, they'll be joining the WAC on July 1st as a CSU Bakersfield and Kansas City leave. What can WAC fans look forward to from both Dixie and Tarleton uh, with these additions to the WAC? Eric, I look at both of those institutions much like uh, I did Grand Canyon and California Baptist when they first came into the conference. Uh, both Dixie and, and Tarleton are very strong Division II programs. Uh, they're in areas that uh, where they have great support. They have very strong leadership at the top, meaning, you know, at the president's office uh, and, and with their athletic, athletic department leaders. Um, they have strong support from their fans. They have good facilities, and they have good programs. Now, it'll take some time for them to elevate everything to the Division One level, uh, but absolutely no reason to believe that they won't be successful in doing so. And as as uh, time goes on, uh, I think you'll find them to be very strong, very competitive programs in the conference. Talking to Jeff Hurd, the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, and the big question everybody has, Jeff, and we talked a little bit of, about it uh, off air before we started here, was what does 2021 look like? And the, the answer is we don't know, but we still have to plan for it. We do. It's uh, you know, it's the big question, and also the big question that really doesn't have a a single answer. And and there are we don't even know how many answers there there could be. But the bottom line is, you know, we hope for normalcy when when the fall season rolls around. But we have to prepare as much as possible for just about any set of circumstances. And uh, you know, anywhere from 
you know, the fall not being able to, you know, not being played uh, to anywhere in between. And uh, not easy to do, but certainly something that all of us, uh, both at the conference office level and at the institutional level, um, are spending uh, a significant amount of time on trying to trying to plan. And one of the things with that, Jeff, with fall sports, obviously their practices start up uh, usually the beginning of August. I'm not sure, you know, when students are going to be able to get to on campus. And I would imagine it'd be hard for anybody to start practice before students are on campus. But the other challenge, especially with the WAC, is uh, with so many different uh, regions of the country involved in the conference, uh, some some areas might not be hit too badly by by this uh, COVID pandemic, while while others, uh, you know, they're they're still in uh, shelter in place. Yeah, no question, and it's not it's definitely not a one size fits all situation. Much like, you know, the entire country, uh, there are certain certain areas of the country that are probably open up faster than others. Um, that's the same same holds true in many conferences. Not you know not just the WAC, but as it relates to us, and as everyone knows, we do cover a a significant amount of geography, uh, and that's just one of the one of the issues that you that you face, and that you try to as you try to you know look look at planning for the future. That's one thing you take into account. What happens if, let's just say, for the sake of argument, you have five or six institutions that are you know ready to move forward, um, and you have you know three or four or whatever the number is that that simply aren't for whatever number of reasons, and so you have to figure out ways to deal with that and. At the NCAA level, that's taking place right now. Uh, discussions being held relative to playing in practice seasons, relative, relative to summer schools, uh, relative to um, scholarships, and how that's handled. Uh, you know, should the uh, should should the unthinkable happen? I guess well, no longer unthinkable, but should right. something on the real downside happen in the fall? So, number of questions uh, has been the case since the beginning of this. A lot of questions and certainly not enough answers. But there are a large number of very smart people that are trying to trying to figure out, um, you know, where we're all going to end up, and you know, eventually everything will will be settled. Uh, but it's going to be a it's going to be a bumpy road along the way. It sure is, and we're going to be talking with Jared Sumption in our next segment uh, at Utah Valley. And one of the things uh, he's he was talking about was when we found out that Rudy Gobert tested positive during. The, uh, the basketball tournament, actually, Utah Valley was, uh, their women's team was playing at the time. And, and that was kind of the, the precursor to all this when the NBA decided to shut down their season and, and the NCAA followed suit. Now, with so many uh, things happening potentially between now and the start of the fall season, one of those things being, you know, potentially the NBA, seeing what they do, seeing what Major League Baseball does, seeing what the NFL does. How much does the NCAA looking at maybe what some of these other uh, sports leagues are doing uh, before they might make a, a final decision? Well, I look very closely at it. Uh, but just to backtrack a little bit, Eric, I remember very, very well the at the basketball tournament in Las Vegas uh, in March when all this started. Uh, getting a phone call from one of our one of our presidents uh, during that first day when when the women's uh, teams were starting to play, and the first thing that that I heard was, "Well, the NBA has determined uh, that they're shutting it down, and you know that we're going to end up probably having to do the same thing." And you know, things move very quickly after that, and everybody knows the end result of that. But it's a um, but from an NCAA level, the NCAA uh, leadership. The leadership team uh, stays in regular communication with the pro sports leagues, so they have a good idea of what's going on and 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 what's what's you know what they're what they are planning and what they're at least what they're looking at. I think the big difference though between professional sports franchises and leagues as opposed to uh, the NCA level is that you know pro sports leagues don't deal with campuses. Right. They don't have to worry about whether campuses are opening yet. And you know they're they're looking more from a strictly a franchise um, situation. That's all obvious. But but the, the bottom line being that there I think there's more issues involved at the collegiate level than there is at the professional level. Not that that makes anything more difficult or or any easier. Uh, but there's certainly two different sets of circumstances. But they are tied together uh, by what you know maybe maybe one or two will decide. Uh, before before others do. Well, if things uh, hadn't been canceled, this uh, would have been the the week that the wax softball tournament would have been played 
in Phoenix, uh, followed by outdoor track and field and baseball. But the NCAA did rule uh, recently that any uh, spring sports athletes would be granted a, another year of eligibility uh, next year. What what uh, kind of impact do you think that might have on the WAC? Well, I, I think it's a, I think it's a decision uh, that needed to be made. Uh, it was also one that wasn't quite as simple as it might appear. Uh, in that it wasn't just, you know, yes, you have another year or no, you don't. There are other elements involved regarding uh, grants and aids right. and, uh, and bringing other, you know, squad, squad sizes overall, scholarship limits, that type of thing. But generally speaking, uh, and specific to the question, Eric, I, you know, I think it's a good thing. Um, and for those student athletes who did not have an opportunity to complete their, um, you know, their full, their full year, uh, of spring sports to get to give them back that year of eligibility, I think is, uh, was a very good move. And one of the things that it, it might impact baseball, perhaps more than the other spring sports because of uh, major league baseball in the draft, where typically in the WAC, we have 15 to 20 players selected in a 40 round draft in a normal year. Whereas this year, uh, MLB, they're talking about a five to 10 round draft. If they even have a draft, who knows what'll happen there. And the, the, student athletes who might have moved on to the pros might be coming back for another year. And then you also have the influx of incoming freshmen. So there's going to be a careful balancing act for baseball in particular. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, the, uh, the whole major league draft situation, you know, we all know it's definitely going to have an impact uh, if it occurs. And regardless of whether it's five rounds or 10 rounds or whatever the number might be, difficult to tell how significant that impact is going to be, but there's certainly going to be one. I think the unknown there, too, is let's say, you know, for the sake of argument, it's a 10-round draft. And then take into consideration those who maybe have been in the 11 to 20 area had those rounds been held. How many of those individuals are going to try to sign maybe as as a free agent right. or something like that? And again, you know, there, there's not an answer to that. Nobody knows it. But for, if you're a coach and you're recruiting uh, to try to fill your, 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 your squad and to fill your scholarships, you know, limits and that and uh, and that type of thing uh, is really difficult to figure out. Uh, you know, what the end result's going to be and and where you can go and where you can't go and um, all the issues involved. But uh, coaches are very well aware of that, and I'm sure they're spending as much time trying to plan for that as as we are from a um, from a total picture standpoint at the NCAA level. Yeah, the other part of that, Jeff, is these high school seniors who didn't get a chance to play their senior years. And a lot of times, you know, kids will have a great senior year, maybe catch the eye of a, of a coach or a scout and get a scholarship out of that uh, from these spring sports. They didn't have that opportunity. So they, they're, you know, down there, but then the coaches also don't have the opportunity to, to scout. So there's, there's a whole lot of issues that uh, at play here, not having a, a spring sports season this year. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's uh, it goes back to the same thing. A lot of questions, not enough answers, and you know we're we're all in a, and everybody knows that we're in a, a situation that's that's unprecedented, uh, that doesn't have a specific end to it at this point, and to what degree it can get, um, you go either way, either better or get you know get better or get worse. We don't know, and that makes things even more difficult uh, in terms of planning. But the bottom line is. Uh, there's a lot of people that are that are working on this, you know, both from a an administrative standpoint and a medical standpoint. Um, the NCA has very good medical people involved and has a committee put together that meets on a daily basis, and we get a weekly update uh, from the NCA um, regarding uh, progress in that area or lack of progress in that area. But again, it's uh, it's literally. Uh, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month, and and you hope for the best, and 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 you know, hope that you know when you get to the fall that things are are back to some set. You know, there's some set of normal there, uh, but there's certainly no guarantee that that's going to happen. Talking with Jeff Hurd, Commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. The other thing, uh, NCAA making news recently, Jeff was the name, image, likeness uh, changes uh, again. Uh, uh, what, what would that mean for potentially for WAC student athletes? Again, hard to say. You know, it does open up a whole new new world from a uh, from an NCA standpoint, from an amateurism standpoint, and and what's going to be allowed and what isn't. There's still some 
you know the, the broad the broad concept of of name image uh, excuse me name image and likeness and been able to uh, for lack of a better term cash in on that for for some uh, probably makes some sense uh, but still a lot of questions to be answered in terms of how does that actually work uh, you know for most student athletes not just in the WAC but nationally it probably does not have a dramatic impact it will have some impact. Uh, certainly, but and for others, there'll be a major impact uh, uh, for those who are you know higher profile and have maybe more of a professional future than than others. Uh, so certainly there will be a major impact there. But there are uh, you got to be really careful how that's how that's put into place. And there's been a, uh, a committee that's been working on that for a significant amount of time and, and trying to get uh, you know, some of the questions answered that need to be answered, but. It's gonna. It's gonna still take some more time to, to to weed out, you know, everything that has to be determined, you know, prior to going into into effect. So, overall, uh, you know, I guess it went a long way of saying a short thing, but <laughs> so there'll be a major impact for some, and there'll be less of an impact for others. But again, it's just a it's a change in a major change in NCA philosophy, NCA way of uh, of conducting day to day operations and. Um, it's just one of many that I think are coming down the road. Jeff, uh, normally when we have our staff meetings, you you like to hand out uh, little words of wisdom or little sayings uh, that uh, that always uh, give us a chuckle. Have you come across anything that uh, any words of wisdom uh, d- during this uh, pandemic here, when we're all kind of locked down at home, that uh, could give us uh, maybe a smile for the, for the next uh, few minutes here? Well, I'm going to give an obvious one, and, and it's, it's nothing that uh, certainly is, is not um, original. Uh, but I, I, you know, my wife and I have talked about this before. So just when you think you've seen it all, you haven't. That's right. And you know, I've been in I've been in the business for more than 40 years, and and I never dreamed that something like this would was even possible. Uh, but it certainly has happened, and uh, you know, so. That's all I can say about it. Uh, there's not a lot of wisdom to it, other than to say you have to be prepared, and and once once things happen, uh, you have to address them the best you can. Well, hey Jeff, want to thank you for for taking some time out. I uh, hope everybody in your family is staying safe, safe and healthy, and hopefully we'll see you before too long. No, I appreciate it, Eric. Everyone in my family's great, and and my two dogs are really happy because they get walked a lot. <laughs> All right, that is Jeff Hurd, Commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. Coming up next, we'll talk with the Director of Athletics at Utah Valley University, Dr. Jared Sumption. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with you. We are now joined by the Director of Athletics, at Utah Valley University. His name is Dr. Jared Sumption. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric. It's a beautiful day here in Utah. You, you know, uh, it's springtime. We made it to May. Uh, it, it's been a, a very trying uh, month and a half, uh, two months or so. Just uh, wondering, how, how have you been able to uh, to contend with uh, you know all these uh, shutdowns and, and not being on campus and, and having you know athletics for, for the spring being shut down? Well, it's it's been a uh, you know a wild time to say the least. Um, basically, ever since March 11th, when our women's basketball team was playing Seattle U, uh, you know we we were in the in the crowd, and I just all of a sudden my phone started blowing up saying that uh, Rudy Gobert right. had been tested positive, and the NBA pulled him off the court and. I was literally sitting next to Mark Matson watching our women's game, and I just said, "Mark, this is this is going to change everything," and and it did. And you know, here we are, a couple months later, a bunch of wild times, and and we're still we're still dealing with it. Um, I've tried to tried to keep it as normal as possible. I've been in the office quite a bit, um, mostly mostly because Utah. You know, we've been we've been really lucky. We have. We have a very obedient state, and the stay-at-home orders have have been working. Um, we're kind of actually seeing our spike right now, mm. um, which is which is quite interesting. But we've we've been very fortunate that it hasn't impacted us as hard as you know maybe our our whack foes like Seattle and Chicago State. 
We're talking with Jared Sumption, the athletic director at the University or Utah Valley University. Your uh, anniversary as the full-time AD. Now you had the interim tag for a little while there, uh, May third. So uh, happy anniversary on that, Jared. Uh, quite a quite a year it, it's been uh, when you look at all the things that have transpired over the past uh, uh, twelve months. It it has been it has been. Uh crazy to to say the least in in uh, crazy good in in a good way you know we've i I think uh talked to some of my ad friends across the country and when they hit their they call them ad versaries (laughs) and uh you know i i think i've gone through everything an ad can possibly go through uh in in one year span and you know three three new head coaches we've had changes in our administration um we've had a couple players getting in trouble with the law. We've had, <laughs> we've had uh, everything, and you know, to top it all off, a, a, a pandemic. So we've we've been through it all. I think if we get through this year, we can get through anything. And you know, really had a lot of positive things happening as well. We've we had the the largest donation in the history of UVU athletics come in, which has impacted us in such a positive way. And uh, you know, and then just a, a lot of great victories and, and a lot of teams doing what we hoped they were doing and, and hope that they would do. And now we're, now we're just looking forward to, to getting back to business and, and getting everybody back here and feeling the energy from our student athletes. And uh, that, that's really the thing that we miss the most is just seeing our student athletes faces and watching them compete and, and really just uh, really just have conversations with them. I mean, I, I've kind of gone through withdrawals here. I've yeah. I've got my family, and I I get to go home and spend a little bit more time with my family and try to conduct business at, at, from my house uh, at times. But there's just you know uh, even even my kids have said, Dad, we miss we miss going to the baseball games because we have a little playground on the at our, at our ballpark, and um, you know the just just that time of year where you feel like I need to be out watching a baseball on a softball game and watching our track kids compete and being out on the golf course. And we've just missed all that. And we miss our student athletes, but we've, we're, we're getting through this. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% positive that next year is going to be a lot easier year for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we, we certainly hope so. We're talking with Jared Sumption and and I know part of what's so difficult about right now is not knowing when can we get started again in terms of, you know, when can you have students back on campus? When can you have student athletes begin practicing again? What can they do uh, when they're in lockdown mode and they're in different parts of the country and, and in some cases, different parts of the world? As far as your planning, Jared, I imagine you got to have all kind of contingency plans for the year ahead. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting you say that. I just, I just got off a, uh, a zoom call with with our vice president and you know we're we're in athletics already talking about you know what what does the, the, the fall look like um thank goodness you know we don't have to deal with football right that that affects a lot of people especially financially and so we're in a, we're in a different place when it comes to that we're you know we're talking about our soccer games we we pull in some pretty 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 big crowds as far as soccer goes i i think uh I think our women's team was ninth in the country in attendance in the entire right. country last year. And our men's team, was, I think they ended up 15th or 16th in the entire country. And so our crowds can get pretty big. And, you know, we're already talking about contingency plans. If, if we're not allowed to bring fans back fully, that, you know, maybe we would cut our, our stadium in half and, you know, have people spread out and then basically have a first-come, first-served basis. If you, if you want to be there in person, you're going to have to be there early and, which is uh you know totally different than than what we've dealt with but it it's uh you know it's it's something that in in my opinion if if we can if we can play we want to play and um if we can do it safely then then that's that's the best thing that the the biggest thing we're worried about and then as far as fans go you know we obviously want to provide an environment that is as safe as possible and and you know also allow them to to come and be outside in the beautiful weather that we have in in august and and you know try to get back to some some normalcy now the ncaa announced a few weeks back that they're going to allow another year of eligibility for spring sports athletes whose seasons were 
were cut short when uh, the season was canceled. Uh, how does that affect uh, some of your spring student athletes at Utah Valley? Well, it, it was it was absolutely devastating, Eric. We, uh, you know, hearing hearing the news and having everything basically shut down um, at March twelfth. I think was the day we were. I was in the meeting with the the WAC presidents and the WAC ads, and we kind of shut it all down then. And and we knew we knew leaving that meeting. I think we all felt it that you know that life was changing at that point. And there was still a lot of hope for some of our spring sports, you know, our baseball and softball players and our track athletes and our golfers were all still kind of thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to be able to be able to compete. And, and even in the back of my mind, kind of thinking, gosh, I hope, I hope we have that opportunity to, to let them still compete in some capacity. They're, they're all outdoor sports and, you know, and just to see everything change so fast. Um, and then knowing that it was the right decision to, to, to cancel all those sports and 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 then to to talk to our student athletes and and to to have the grief on their face and and to know that they're they're devastated that they they may not be able to get to play again and then and then to come back around and know that the spring sports are are being allowed to come back and and we've done everything within our power to to give that opportunity back to our seniors um, we we have we're bringing quite a few of them back and some have chosen to kind of move on with their lives and go out into the workforce and do good things and start families. And, and, um, and we've, we've got a, a good chunk of them that are coming back. And, and then from the administrative side, it's, it's basically trying to figure out, you know, how do you pay for that? Cause it's, it's all money to the tune of about, you know, over $200,000 right. you know, we, we weren't anticipating. And, and we're we're doing it. We're bringing we're bringing those seniors back and letting them finish out their career the way that they had hoped. And and uh, you know I think a lot of schools are going through the same things that we're going through. But you know we we just we feel we feel for the kids. We feel feel for their families. Feel for our fans and everything that everything that we can do to to provide them that opportunity again. We've we've done it at this point talking to Jared Sumption from Utah Valley. Are there any special plans in the works to, to honor the seniors uh, that uh, may have graduated, uh, didn't get a, a chance to go maybe through the graduation ceremonies and, and have their senior days and that that type of thing? Yeah, you know, Utah Valley has been, been really uh, thoughtful in our response as, as far as the university goes. Um, we're still planning on hosting a graduation in August. And um, I, there's a lot of details that are yet to be determined on how, what that looks like and if people can come in person. And, and so we're, we're tagging along with those plans as far as athletics goes. Um, this past week, uh, we've had a social media campaign where we, we put our, our Wolverine Club Athletic Awards show online. Mm-hmm. Typically, this has been a, a, an event that has 700-plus people in the UCCU Center a big, you know, dress-up dinner and meal and, um, you know, really kind of a fancy event. And we just decided that, hey, we're not going to just not do this. So we, we moved it all online and and did everything we could to get it out there via social media. And, um, you know, we're, we're mailing the awards to, to all the winners, and it's a, it's a different type of thing. So we wanted to make sure that they were they were all honored there. And, and during the, the typical award show, we would honor all of our seniors and and present them with you know senior blankets and things that we we provide as a department and we definitely still have plans for all those things. Um, it's it's we we want we want our seniors to know that you know we appreciate the time they put in here at UVU and uh, we definitely won't forget them and and we definitely will make sure that we we can take care of them in the best way possible. Yeah, that, that's a, a great idea, talking with Jared Sumption. And along those lines with uh, handing out the awards, have you had a chance to kind of look back at at, at least, you know, we, we had the, the fall and, and most of the winter sports, uh, at least uh, up until the, the basketball tournament completed. And, and what were some of your favorite memories from this past year? Oh, you know, it's been it's been great. You know, just, just going back to, to hiring our – men's and women's basketball coach, coach Mark Matson and coach Dan Nielsen. Um, that, that was a, definitely a highlight. And then having them come in and, and kind of establish their programs and the mentality that they'll have with their programs going forward. 
and then hitting the fall pretty strong. We had some really big soccer victories. Um, really proud of our teams, the way they competed. Um, women's soccer, for example, had a six-win improvement from 2018, and and that that darn Seattle U, you know, just taking away <laughs> taking away championships from us, both regular season on the men's and women's side, and on the on in the WAC tournament, and so. You know we've got we've got a bone to pick with Seattle U, Shaney. I'm I'm coming after you. <laughs> uh, she's hopefully she's listening. They're they're good friends of ours, and we appreciate Seattle U. They've got a, they've got a great program up there. But um, you know Kevin Lynch, who uh, won the the WAC cross country title, and right. our men won for the fifth time in seven years. And uh, you know volleyball, Katherine Terafiti. Um, she led the whack in kills per set. She's been great. Uh, Blake Freshnick on the on the men's soccer side, um, first UVU player to win Offensive Player of the Year, I believe, and um, you know just really a beast in the entire country. He was, I think, he was he led the country in game-winning goals, if I recall. And then Zach Moss was recently named as the Cosida All Academic All American. Then there's Hannah Bruce, who she's recently accepted a, a, an offer to go to graduate school at Oxford. Wow. She was actually a, a Rhodes Scholar finalist, and played. she's been playing professionally, I believe, in Puerto Rico, and just a great a great human. It's been so good to, to have Hannah as part of our program, and just, you know, going into winter sports, wow, just lots of, lots of fun things that women's basketball had their most successful season. Uh, men's basketball had a lot of good highlights, a lot of good victories. They, they took Kentucky to the, the final minute. Sure did. Um, and we had a great booster trip. We had a plane full of boosters that went out with us and wrestling, uh, you know, who's not in the whack, but they competed really well in the national scene. We had, uh, an All-American, and then uh, just recently found out we had three academic All-Americans. Uh, and you're in the Big 12 sport. in wrestling, right? Yeah, yeah, the Big 12 conference. It's a, it's a you know a powerhouse wrestling conference, and we've been able to kind of come in and and really show strong, and uh, it's it's fun to it's fun to be a part of that. And then even into spring, you know, our, our softball team, you know, our our former softball coach uh, left in uh, mid-December. Yeah. And we spent all of Christmas break looking for a coach, and we found Stacy Mae Johnson and just couldn't be happier with, with the way she's taken our program and off to its best start in program history. And um, we had Pitcher of the Week a uh, couple times, Devin Kretz, and then Brooke Carter threw a perfect game. Mm. And uh, you know, just really happy about the progress that softball's making, and and uh, you know where we see that program heading in the future is very positive. And then baseball, um, Jesse Schmidt, who led the WAC with a 1.08 ERA, and he shut out Washington, you know, right before COVID happened. And you know, we just had a lot of positive things, and you know, track and track and fields. You know, Grand Canyon got us in that indoor championship. Um, by one one and a half points, and um, we were on the men's side. We were close to close to winning that thing, and we were excited about what what would have happened in the outdoor championships. And and both golf programs are definitely uh, on the up and up. Really, really excited to see where those programs are headed. And so, you know, just a lot of great things happening here. We're just very excited about our future, and and uh, you know, just really really excited to see see where we can take this thing next year yeah no, thinking back on that soccer tournament you mentioned with the uh, seattle u went down to the shootout it was at the air force academy in uh, right outside of colorado springs and and uh seattle u winning on the in the shootout and then yeah, the other week before was uh i believe it was overtime right uh between seattle u and and utah valley women in the championship so those were those were uh fun games to watch i know i know tough on your end jared that uh Came came out on the other end of that, but uh, definitely was a great season when when you get to a chance to look back on it. Uh, you mentioned the softball team uh, starting out twelve and seven, as you mentioned, uh, losing your coach in December, hiring a new coach in January when practice is getting started. That had to be a pleasant surprise for you to get off to that uh, twelve and seven start. Yeah, it, it it was, you know, and and I've uh, 
fully admit that, you know, softball, I wasn't the sport administrator prior to becoming the athletic director. And so, you know, I had a, I had a lot of learning to do. I, I was the baseball sport administrator prior to, to filling the AD role. And um, so I, I actually went with uh, softball on their first trip down to Puerto Vallarta, you know, a really rough trip to go down to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we played in this tournament with, you know, Oregon, Oklahoma, BYU, Long Beach, Nevada, all these great softball programs. And we left that tournament three and one, our only loss coming to Oregon. And uh, everybody was kind of looking at us like, who, where did Utah Valley come from? And, but they, they all knew Stacy Mae Johnson. I mean, she's a legend in the softball world. And, um, you know, she's a, She's a Hall of Famer from uh, the Chicago Bandits. She played a USA Softball. I believe she was the the uh, Player of the Year for USA Softball, mm. and you know a very a very stellar collegiate career at University of Iowa. And and honestly, she the the best thing about Stacy Mae Johnson is she's she's a great human. She really is just somebody that that exudes positivity, and um, we've just very much enjoyed having her here and. And, you know, I think our, our players really responded in a, in a way that, uh, that you know, they, they were starting to show it on the field. We did lose a couple couple games that we weren't expecting to lose right right before COVID happened. And, and uh, you know, our record was, I mean, we had beaten UNLV down at their place and uh, just starting to really turn some heads. And, and uh, you know, we're just really excited about what direction they're heading because softball has kind of typically been one of those programs that was a little bit overlooked here at UVU, and, and we're, trying to, we're trying to change that. And so we're, we're doing it slowly and, and, and in a way that we think is sustainable and, and will help us, you know, really, really be able to recruit and do the things that we, we think we can do here. Well, I had a chance to go to indoor track uh, this year and the previous year, and yeah, it was it was right down to the wire with Utah Valley and Grand Canyon. But I had a chance to visit with the the Jones brothers, the the twins uh, Adrian and Andre, and and uh, down the road we we plan on uh, doing a uh, learn compete inspire story on them, uh, and it's kind of interesting because uh, Adrian's a distance runner, Andre's a sprinter, you know, and they're twins. You, you would th- think they would probably both be doing the same events, but they don't. And then the, the twist there is is their uh, half-brother, Demetrius Romero, a Big 12 uh, wrestling champion, also at Utah Valley, and, and the whole family was there in Nampa, Idaho, and that's uh, a, a, st- a story I look forward to telling, but uh, yeah, pretty amazing uh, athletes in the uh, Jones and Romero family there. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to to get to know this family. I mean, they AJ Jones is uh, is somebody that I've I've gotten to know on some wrestling trips and and at, at uh, our track events. And you know, they they're they're actually helping us recruit all over the country. So we appreciate what they do. And and this family, you know, the neat thing about uh, these three young men is. Two of them are in master's programs, and one of them's uh, heading towards a master's program, and they're planning on opening a, a clinic for marriage and family therapy. Wow! And um, you know, the the story just continues, you know, far past their competition days. But you know, they're great young men. Um, they're they're the future leaders of America that we have really just enjoyed having in our program, and you know, and and that's all a, a, an aside from. Everything that it, they do competitively, we're we're just uh, you know they have that fire and that tenacity and that Wolverine grit that we talk about, and they just get after it. And uh, you know we just love having them in the program and and excited to see how this next year plays out for them, uh, having their final years of competition. And and uh, Demetrius unfortunately uh, tore his ACL and has been out for a year, so we'll get him back and. He was this close to becoming an All-American in wrestling last year, and def- and was a Big 12 champion, and and you know he can do well. I mean, Adrian and Andre are both just, you know, just they compete at the highest levels for us in the WAC, and we uh, we don't want to lose championships anymore by one and a half points. That's <laughs> we're, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen next year. 
Well, I know Andre said he was looking forward to the cross country championships, which I believe uh, would be in Seattle this fall. And in a, with Kevin Lynch uh, now being out of the way, uh, obviously one of our top cross country runners the past few years, Andre I think has his his sights set on maybe uh, getting on top of the podium this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean we've we. <laughs> We we've got a, a little bit of a dynasty going in men's cross country, and we need to we need to keep that up. So our expectations are really high, and uh, Kevin has been a big big part of that. And we we actually I think there's a way that we can get Kevin back for our, the outdoor season All next right. year, and uh, we're we're working towards that right now. And um, and then I think uh, Andre can also compete uh, in the outdoor season next year as well. And there's just a, there, geez, you know, that it's just the biggest thing right now as I sit here and talk to you is I hope all this happens. Right. You know, we, we are just so excited about what can happen, you know, coming up this next year. We just need life to get back to normal for, for whatever that looks like and whatever competition looks like. I mean, for us, we're just happy to, it, it, even if, even if the, the, the direction is, you know, we don't have fans, we're, we're fine competing and just doing that, just letting our student athletes do what they do. But, uh, you know, I sit here in, in Orem, Utah, and, and we've been very lucky to not have to face this COVID thing like other people have faced it. And so, you know, we, with understanding that what everybody else is dealing with, you know, we, we just hope that we can have some sort of competition and really see all these things play out. Yeah, that, that well, very well said. We're talking with Jared Sumption. I also want to apologize to Andre and Adrian. I think I, I got them mixed up there. I think Adrian's the distance runner. Andre is the sprinter. I think I might have said uh, that uh, backwards just a few minutes ago. Jared, I do uh, it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other thing uh, I saw recently is uh, UVU. You mentioned the Kentucky trip you had this year. And uh, that was the second time uh, UVU's been out to Kentucky. But uh, another big trip I, I know planned uh, this year will be Texas. And uh, so those kind of things, even though we're, we're in lockdown here, uh, business still needs to take place. And Utah Valley will be playing at Texas this winter. Yeah, you know, it's uh, even though COVID happened, you know, there's there's been days where I've been busier um, just because of all. I mean, there was one day I had six. Uh, Zoom and Microsoft team calls, <laughs> yeah. and I literally didn't stand up from my chair for about eight hours. And it was one of those things where, you know, that the work is still happening, and we're we're trying to operate as normal as possible under these circumstances. And and part of that is is scheduling, which is you know it becomes really interesting. And as we looked at teams that we could play, um, you know, obviously the state of Texas is is a little bit different than some other states that, that we're dealing with. And we feel like the state of Texas that we'll be able to play. And, um, you know, there, there's other states that we, you know, we're not quite sure, you know, the state of California is, right. is something that, you know, it's not to get into politics of all of it, but things are just different. There's, there's more dense populations in, in, uh, California. And we're just not sure what everything's going to look like at, at, at this point. But um, as far as scheduling with with men's basketball, that's that's one of the fun things that uh, you know we we look at it obviously from a competitive standpoint, but we also look at it from a perspective of you know what what's going to be a great event for our boosters to to jump on a charter plane and I think last year we took 120 boosters on a charter plane out to Kentucky and we're planning on doing the same thing on December 1st heading out to Austin and. I've already put a, a challenge out there to find out where the best barbecue in Austin is because <laughs> I'm going to have 120 hungry Wolverines that we've got to take there. And uh, and then hopefully go pick up a victory uh, against the Longhorns. So it'll be the first time we've played them in men's basketball. It'll be a lot of fun to be there. And I know the athletic director there, Chris Del Conte, is a, is a great personality. I've, I've actually admired him from afar in a, for, for a number of years. And uh, just really excited to to have this experience for our team and and you know the rest of the schedule is pretty awesome as well. We've, we're at, at BYU, we're at University of Utah, mm. and we still have we still have a couple announcements that we'll be making here as we finalize some more contracts, which will be great. We also have home games against Southern Utah, great in-state rivalries, and and honestly, we're we're really excited to kind of renew our old 
uh, swack day rivalry with Dixie State. And to, to have that starting up um, after January is going to be really fun. Yeah, Dixie State will be uh, entering the WAC uh, July 1st along with Tarleton State. And, and Dixie being in St. George, not, not exactly uh, a stone's throw away from, from Orem. It, it's a little bit of a, a ride down there. But to have two WAC teams in, in the state of Utah, that's, that's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it honestly couldn't be better. We we uh, you know, I remember the days growing up in in Utah County um where, you know, UVSC at the time and Dixie would just go at it and had a great rivalry and we're excited to renew that rivalry with them and uh, I've got a great relationship with Jason Booth and a bunch of friends down in St. George. It's about a three and a half hour drive from Orem to to Dixie. And honestly, we've been as a as a fellow Utah, we've been making this drive for years. Um, typically, in the in the winters, we'll drive down to St. George and and experience a little bit of what the the weather down there. <laughs> right. And then in the summers, they all flock to come up here because the weather's <laughs> not as hot. And so uh, we've we've got a we've got a good thing going, and we're really excited to have them in the league. Um, they've already been great partners and. And it's it's just fun for our fans. That that's the thing that we really like. We we love in-state games. Um, we love the opportunities for our fans to drive. And we played Southern Utah in basketball just last year, and we took you know two full buses of fans down, and we had this little sea of green sitting behind our bench, which was just really fun to do. And and to be able to experience that you know on a on a regular basis is just going to be just a blast for all of our fans. Yeah, I'm. Now the tennis sport administrator, and we had our call a few weeks back, and I was uh, talking to the coaches how the weather in St. George is, is much more similar to Las Vegas than it is to Salt Lake City, per se, and that's why they call it Dixie State, because it's in the southern part of Utah, and the, the climate is more like, you know, the the southern United States as opposed to uh, what when people think of skiing and, and those type of things in Utah. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, in fact, my family and I, we even in the dead of summer, sometimes we'll go, we'll go down to, to St. George and, you know, go hit up some pools. There's some great golf courses down right. there. Um, and the, the prices are just so cheap because it's, you know, 110 degrees. And, <laughs> and you know, for our kids, they, they really don't care. But, but all the, all the St. George people are coming up to, to Utah, Utah County and Salt Lake County just to, uh, just to experience the the cooler, better weather up in our mountains, and it's that's one of the great things about the state of Utah is you know you've we've got it all here. I, I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually been snow skiing and water skiing in the same day, <laughs> and the, I want to pull off the trifecta and throw in a round of golf. And, you you got to do that <laughs> one of these days. It's uh, it's it's just a great. It's a great opportunity, you know, if you like the outdoors and um, you like, you know, Utah's just full of really great people. So we love it here. Well, hey, Jared, want to thank you for taking some time out. Always great to talk with you and and hopefully you and your family are are staying uh, safe and healthy. Well, I appreciate that, Eric. I, I think my wife, you know, I've got to give a shout out to my wife, Stephanie, we she's been homeschooling three kids while I've been going into the office, and then we have a little two-year-old bopping around. Whoa. So she is the real hero in all this. And uh, so when when the time comes, I, I get to honor her at some point and maybe take her on a little vacation. So that's one of the reasons I'm excited for COVID to go away. Yeah, yeah as we all are. That is uh, Dr. Jared Sumption, Utah Valley University Director of Athletics. We also had Jeff Hurd, the Commissioner of the WAC, and Rachel V. Hill. Thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.